Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. Today's guest is Rob Rawson. Rob is the co-founder and CEO of Time Doctor and Staff.com. Time Doctor is an app that helps you manage your time and your team's time more effectively. And Staff.com is a global recruitment platform that helps companies hire talented people from anywhere in the world. Rob originally trained as a medical doctor and worked in hospitals in Australia for three years before becoming a full-time entrepreneur. In this episode, we talk about how Rob started his career as a medical doctor working in hospitals in Australia, how his real passion was in building his own business, but he couldn't get traction, how he launched Time Doctor without any technical skills or software background, how he turned that into a business that's now doing over a million dollars a year, and the highs and lows of being an entrepreneur and how Rob deals with that. Rob, welcome to the show. Hello. Uh, it's great to be here. Now, I gave the audience a brief overview of your product and business, but tell us a little bit more about yourself personally. Who is Rob when he's not working? Well, I live in Australia, in Sydney, a beautiful city, but it's a little bit cold right now. We're in the opposite side of the world. And I'm living with my wife and two kids. I have two very young kids. I have a, a seven-month, uh, 10-month-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old boy who's a little crazy and always is up to no good. <laughs> and one of them kept you awake last night, I think. <laughs> yeah, from three till four in the morning. He thought that there were spiders in the bed and it just he just wouldn't give up and he wouldn't uh, take the explanation that, no, there's no spiders in the bed. Look at the bed. There's no spiders. He just, <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. All right. We like to kick things off with a success quote to better understand what drives and motivates our guests. What is one of your favorite quotes? I love this quote from Tony Robbins, which is that the path to success is to take massive determined action. And I think it brings it down to the simplicity of what it actually takes, which is massive action, not just one or two steps, not just taking a little bit of action. Can you give me uh, maybe a, a, a brief example of maybe how that's played out in your life? Well, I can give an example of a business that we were doing before, which was really in the arbitrage space on online marketing. So we were actually buying a lot of advertising from Google AdWords and we were redirecting it to affiliate sites. And it was kind of a, a bit of a short-term play that was making a lot of money at the time. And I know several other people that did that same strategy, the exact same strategy, because they knew that it was working. They could see that they could make money with it. But the difference was that there were some people that made 10000 a month. There were some people that made 2000 a month. There were some people that made 20000 a month. There were some people that made 100000 a month. And the top people doing that exact same strategy made actually millions of dollars, over $10 million a year, some people made from this exact same strategy. And the only difference was the ones who made $10 million a year had massive action. They literally did 100 times more action than the other person. So specifically what that meant was advertising on every keyword, being very systematic about it, hiring a team, 
we actually had a team in the Philippines at the time that was doing this strategy as well. So it's, it's literally about taking massive action rather than taking a small amount of action or a medium amount of action to achieve your goal. Got it. Okay, uh, let's start by giving our listeners a better understanding of, of your current businesses, uh, timedoctorandstaff.com. Uh, who are your target customers for these products and what are the top pain points that you're trying to solve for them? So for Time Doctor, it came out of my own need, which is that I had a team in the Philippines in an office and I wanted to get out of the office and have everyone work from home. So I wanted to make sure that I knew that everyone was being productive even when working from home and I wasn't in front of them, I didn't know that they actually were even in front of their computer because I wasn't with them at all. And so that's where that software came out of. And I also came to make it so that it was something that I would want to personally use for my own productivity. So I was combining those two elements into it. And that's the similar kind of need that we have. Mostly at the moment, we have people that have remote teams around the world. They might have a team in the Philippines or in Eastern Europe, and that's what they're using the software for. But we do also have people using it for their individual productivity. And stuff.com came from a similar need as how do I hire somebody in the Philippines? And how do I, if I want a virtual assistant in the Philippines, how do I find that person? Got it. Okay. Let's talk about the early days because you have a really uh, interesting background and and how you got to where you are today. Uh, Let's talk about your life as a doctor. What was your what was your motivation for going down? Medical doctor. Yeah, it was. It's a long. It seems like a long time ago now, but. It was actually, it wasn't necessarily my goal in the beginning. I went through a few different paths. And even during medicine, I was trying various businesses because I was always in this business mindset. And I even took a year off doing medicine to do a marketing advisory business, which is absolutely crazy. I'm not sure if you heard of Jay Abraham. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I listened to all of his stuff and read his stuff and thought, oh, I'm now a marketing expert. So then I decided to take a year off medicine to do a marketing advisory business. So you can see that I wasn't quite in the mode of being a doctor. Um, <laughs> and But I did finish it because I wanted to complete it and because I wasn't successful with the marketing advisory business. And so I completed that and and it was amazing. It was just that I was always driven by this need to to be in business and and to take on challenges in business so i i think it's more that i have that desire to create businesses so you always had or from at least from the from a, for a long time you had this passion to build your own business um and so what the only thing that kept you from actually doing it full time was just that you weren't generating enough income from that from medicine or from business? Yes, probably. Yeah. Uh, it was a combination of it. I wanted to finish what I started. So I, I started medicine. I wasn't certain that business was my path. When I actually started business and it was earning very good money, then I eventually transitioned to, to giving up medicine. But it's a very hard decision to make because it's an amazing profession, medicine. To be honest, like to go into more of the details of how my psyche was at that time, I was very money focused in the beginning. 
uh, I was had these goals to make you know millions of dollars, etc. And um, I actually at one point did make a lot of money, and it felt quite empty, to be honest, because I didn't have a passion around the business. I didn't. It was really purely about the money. So I transitioned that to being about not just about the money, but really about my passion as well. So I actually really enjoy business now as well. Not, and so it really isn't just about the money. Um, you know, the money's in there, but it, it is about my passion and I just love doing it. And I, I, would, I would do it probably even if I wasn't earning money, if I could put the money just to charity. Uh, if I could still earn money and give it to charity, I'd probably still run my business. What was the business that you said you'd made a lot of money from but didn't feel excited about? That was really the arbitrage that I mentioned before where, okay. yeah, yeah, it's really a short-term thing. It's, a, it's an opportunistic thing that, that worked very well and a lot of people were doing until Google banned it, but uh, that's what I was doing. And what is it, and you said that today what you do, you would do it even if you weren't being paid for it. What is it about what you're doing that you love so much? I love creating the business. I love the challenge of trying to make it successful. It's, it's kind of like playing a video game, really. But the video game is a real-life situation where you're making money and where you're, you're achieving a goal and where you're trying to figure out this complicated thing where how do you compete with all these other businesses? How do you position the market? How do you make yourself really a great proposition for other people? So it's all, it's all of those things combined together. Do you remember the day when you decided to quit your job as a doctor and, and become a full-time entrepreneur? I roughly remember it. It was basically that I was earning really good money uh, from my business. And in one stage, I was sitting in my bedroom. I was still in my parents' place. And I was in my bedroom and I had uh, dozens and dozens of checks from different affiliate companies. And um yeah, so I was just doing very well from the business. So I was actually working only one week a month as a doctor at that stage in any case. So I, I was still had a lot of time to work on the business, but I realized that it's not something that you can do half time being a doctor. You really have to put your entire passion and life into it. And I wasn't willing to do that. So, so that's why I gave it up. Now, did you spend uh, some time then doing more uh, building a business around internet marketing before you actually got into the software business? Yes, yeah, absolutely. I've, I've actually started a number of different projects online, some of them absolutely crazy. Uh, one was a little website that would detect if you were lying. <laughs> it would actually give you these, it would give you, uh, it would actually teach you how to detect lies. So basically it would show you these, these, um, cards, uh, and each time it would have no aces and you'd have to say into the microphone, there are no aces, there are no aces. And then one time they would show that there are four aces, four cards, they're all aces. And then that time you would be lying. And then, so you'd record this and then you'd actually try and detect when other people were lying based on their responses, just based on their voice tone, et cetera. Um, crazy idea. 
<laughs> really crazy. It was based on the show Lie to Me. I don't know if you saw that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> so what? What? What did it, I? I guess did that work out as a business? Or no, it was great. It was. It was technically really difficult, and it was also. It was also just pretty much impossible to detect if the person was lying based on just their voice tone. So it was a stupid idea. Okay. So how did you, um, uh, come up with the idea for time doctor? So you said that you were, um, you know, you had, um, you know, employees working in the Philippines, yes. you wanted yeah, to get I in had control, an there. um, but you're not a software guy, right? I mean, so what 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 was the sort of the the process you went to in ter- in terms of saying um you know i have a need and then i'm going i'm going to be the one who's going going to go and build it i just decided to do it and then i tried to figure out how to do it so i tried a number of methods i tried hiring people usually on elance odes to start with and that was mostly a failure in the beginning uh, most of the initial attempts were fairly, fairly poor. It was very difficult to find someone who was, who was great and who was able to do the work. So eventually I did find s- someone who could do it and then it just built from there. And, and at this point, were you thinking about building this as a product or were you just trying to build a tool that you could use yourself? Initially, it was as a tool for myself. And then over time, I realized, well, I'm putting so much into this. Why don't I market it as a product? Got it. Okay. Uh, all right. So you you eventually found somebody, you started to build this product. Um, what did you start to do to try and market it and get the word out about the product? Content marketing was probably the number one thing that I focused on. So I actually did a number of blog articles. I think because I was contacting a lot of people in, in the related industries, in the, in the industry of hiring remote workers, uh, they actually started to refer it. So there's a lot of a referral source that started to build up as well. I had some strategies such as going onto Quora and answering questions there, just very grassroots online marketing. And I also have a team, an online marketing team in the Philippines that does research, that helps to write articles. They don't necessarily write the actual article, but they do the research behind the article. They help to generate leads, things like that. Got it. Okay. All right, so you got this thing um, uh, up and running. Um, were you were you still working with somebody that you had? Uh, where, where did you find this person to to build this product for you? The initial people that I found were on from Odesk and and other platforms. I just I really tried a number of different ways, but I, it's only in the last six to twelve months that I've found a formula that is fantastic for finding offshore developers that are affordable. I also was initially hiring at a very low rate, so closer to a thousand dollars a month US or even lower. And uh, I also found some people on the ground in the Philippines. So there was a bunch of different strategies that I found. Um, 
but now I have a much more robust strategy that I'm using. So how, how do you go and find somebody these days? There's a few components to it, but in terms of the actual finding a person, and this is at a salary of at least 3000 a month, uh, or maybe a little bit less, but and not, not at the sort of really low levels. Uh, it's from posting on Stack Exchange. I'm not sure if you've heard of Stack Exchange. Yep. And there's another site called We Work Remotely, which is from the Basecamp guys. So those two sites have a lot of people that are working remotely around the world. And you need to hire at a reasonable level for the country that you're hiring in. So if you're hiring in Pakistan, 3000 2000 a month is actually reasonable. If you're hiring the US, you basically you're excluding your entire... So you basically cannot hire in the US. So if you want to hire in the US, you need to be hiring at a much higher salary level. Uh, you need to really decide what you're going to do in that regard. And then the second component to it is how do you evaluate people? And I use HackerRank for that, which is also used by Facebook and has been used by Evernote and a bunch of really high-level companies. And that gives them an actual programming test to do. So I give them a really, really difficult test. Most of them don't pass it on the first go, but on the second or third go, they do, some of them. And then we do an interview after that. So it's a very, very uh, systematic process. So I've never used HackerRank. How, how, how does it work? So you have an actual test that is something that I can hardly even understand myself just by looking at it. And it's the sort of, um, it's just really complicated stuff. So they'll, they'll ask all of these, uh, it, it, these questions that, and then the person has to, it's not, it's not a number of questions. It's just one question actually. And the person has to create a program in whatever language they're using. So it can be PHP, it can be Ruby on Rails, it can be anything. And they create the program and then HackerRank will actually automatically determine if they correctly created the program. So it'll automatically put in an algorithmic response. So enter one and it should be come out as 10 as the answer, if that makes sense. So some very complicated mathematical questions that the person has to create a program to answer them. And then, so what is it? How how do you do this? You set up an account and then you send them a link uh, and then you get the results back on how they did you actually can get them to create a test, which is what I have done. I got them to create a test for us. I think it costs $1,000 now to do that. And you can also create a test yourself if you know how to create a test, but that's quite difficult if you're not a developer. So this is really coming from myself and I'm not a developer. I actually have done it at some stages in my life. I've done a little bit of development, but I'm I'm not an experienced developer, so I don't know how to evaluate people. So this is really a, a great way to do it. And it's also, it's very, it's not time intensive. It's easy to do. And then were you doing this right from the outset when you started hiring uh, developers? No, in the beginning, it was more, we had one person who was good and then they would evaluate other people. And that can work as well, but it takes more time and it's not as systematic. And actually the evaluation is usually just haphazard and not based on their programming skills. If you, if you interview developers, 
you not necessarily getting the right kind of result. I mean, one of the guys that I hired initially from the Philippines, he could hardly even talk. I mean, the guy, he sounded like, uh, he, he sounded like he was not intelligent, let's put it that way. And he's an amazing developer. And you can misjudge people quite easily on an interview. So I think actually the best way to evaluate people for developers or for any kind of job is what exactly matches the work that they're going to do. Now for this test, it actually doesn't exactly match, but it at least gives you an evaluation of their intelligence levels. Like if they can solve this, you know they can solve difficult problems because it's a very difficult problem. Yeah, yeah. And and so now you're getting a much higher success rate doing it this way? Yeah, this is amazing success. Uh, we had a guy who left us to go to Google. And um, so we're getting some really high-level developers. Wow. So looking back at the early days of building this software business, what, what do you think was one of the biggest mistakes that you made? So one of the mistakes was trying to do too many things at the same time, like trying to do too many projects. But at the same time, that was a way for me to actually try different things and and see if they would work. So it hasn't been too much of a mistake as long as I didn't put too much into it. So that that's one thing. But in terms of the actual building our current business, the, the biggest mistake was not following the lean startup advice, which is building features that are not used. So the thing that we did really well is that we were always using the software for Time Doctor all the time. So most of the features that we were using, we were actually using them at the time. The times when I didn't do that uh, for staff.com and for some of the technology that we built, we were building technology for months and months and months and months and months and we launched it. It was always a disaster. So it's always important to be using the technology as you go and incrementally improve it based on the actual real feedback from customers or from yourself using it rather than a theoretical concept of what the software should be. What was going on? You you would sometimes have an idea for something that you think would be great to put into the product, even though it wasn't something you were using yourself and then find it wasn't that useful. It's more that because it took so long to launch that particular thing and it wasn't what was next needed by the customers, it just was never, ever useful. It was just going in a a direction that wouldn't be useful. So it's not that it was necessarily the wrong idea. It actually probably was the right idea potentially, but because it wasn't the next right idea, it, it never worked out because it's always important to work on, well, what's, what's actually blocking the customers now? What do they need the most? If you work on what they need, you know, 10 times, uh, you know, 10 years from now or two years from now, that's not going to be effective. You have to work on what they need now. And then when you've completed that, then maybe later you can work on those other things. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, at what point did you feel that you were getting some meaningful traction with this business? It's always been a process of ups and downs. So sometimes I feel like it's going really well. Um, but I would say that 
we've just when we've when we reached a uh, million dollars run weight run rate, I would say that would be a good time when we were feeling happy as a business. When did you hit that milestone? Uh, we hit it a few months ago. Oh, congratulations! Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Okay, and then you, uh, at what point did staff.com come along? I, I guess in many ways it's a natural extension to what you were doing anyway to run your own business. Yeah, I had the idea of doing this business and I kind of knew that the domain name staff.com was available. And so just I had this vision of what I was going to do with it. Now, as it happens, the vision that I was thinking about is not the way that it's evolved, but that's that's how it happened. Like I just had this, this vision that I was, just, oh, this is going to be like a billion dollar company and this is how it's going to work. It's going to do, have, you know, all of these stuff, they're going to do this. And um, as I started to build it, it's not what ended up happening, uh, but it's it's evolving in a in a really nice direction. And I think it's providing some good value and we want to make it kind of like the LinkedIn for remote work so that it's it's actually free at the moment. We made it completely free. Uh, how, can you give me a sense of like the size of the business? Like how many, uh, and any numbers that you can share to give us a well, sense we've of got, what it's doing? We've got about uh, 170,000 workers on the platform, which is, which is good enough to get a really good result when you're hiring in the Philippines. If you're hiring a virtual assistant, for example, right. um, we're not quite at the level of trying to get, if you want to get a good developer, I, I mentioned before about mm-hmm. the stack exchange, um, as being the right um, place to hire from. And so that's that's a much better place. Looking back at the last few years, what has been one of the hardest things about building this product and business? What do you look back and just wish you had known um, when you started out? Well, one of the things is always feels like it's you're going through ups and downs. So it's not one point, but there's a lot of times when you feel like, oh, this is not working out. And it's not this month it didn't grow this month or the server went down. Um, we've had multiple times when the server went down and because I'm not a technical person myself and I'm relying on technical people around the world, it's challenging to to when the server goes down and I don't know how long it's going to take, are we going to be able to solve this? And so that's, that's one of the biggest challenges. And so there's been several times like that where I thought, Oh, geez, what am I doing? And it's, and it's also really, really hard work to be honest. It's actually very hard to build it up. And I think you just have to work harder than, than the competition in a, in a lot of cases. I actually think there are easy businesses, but they're not very, very common. They're, they're very few and far between. Most businesses is just a lot of work to get to that momentum stage where you can actually just keep going and going and be more and more successful. What advice would you give to entrepreneurs who may be listening to this, who are maybe kind of in that sort of mental state uh, more often um, these days where they feel like this is not working, right? Maybe they're having those lows. Um you know, you're you're a seasoned entrepreneur. You've you've kind of gone through that process with with several businesses. Is there sort of any parting words of wisdom you would give them? It really is about your attitude in the end. If you have 
the right kind of belief and mental attitude that you'll never give up, then you will succeed in the end. Even if you have to change your approach, you will definitely succeed. So it is about, it's about changing your approach, but it's about also never giving up at the same time. And if you do that, for sure, you're going to succeed. Yeah, that's excellent advice. And uh, I had uh, Adeo Resi, who's the founder of the Founders Institute on, um, I can't remember what episode number it was. Um, and he he kind of had a similar comment where he said, you only fail if you give up. Mm. right? And I think that's a great way to kind of think about it in terms of, uh, I, I think your explanation is a little bit more nuanced because you know, if you have a bad idea, which clearly is not going to work, you need to give up at some point. But, um, you know, it's, it, I guess it's listening and figuring out where you need to pivot, where you need to adapt, change your approach, but just not giving up in principle in terms of building a business. I yes. think that's really yes. solid advice.